The snow glows white on the mountain tonight, not a footprint to be seen. A kingdom of isolation, and it looks like I'm the queen. The wind is howling like this swirling storm inside. Couldn't keep it in, heaven knows I tried. Don't let them in, don't let them see. Be the good girl you always have to be. Conceal, don't feel, don't let them know. Well, now Everybody, welcome to the film room. Welcome to the film room. We have a guest with us today, uh, Ms. Beck Poppins. That's me! Hi, Beck. Hello! And, guys, this is a different cast today. We should give you fair warning. This is not the usual cast for us. We There's need... ladies involved. Yes. That <laughs> wasn't necessarily the issue, but that kind of went to... Anyway! Kind of. I mean... Kind of. Let's... let's... <laughs> We at the film room have a stated policy that we stay away from politics. This is a cast about film. Sometimes you have to violate those things. Sometimes you have to speak up about issues when they really bother you. So if you're looking to this cast for something other than, you know, something serious and heavy, well, you're probably still going to get that. We are who we are. But um, And also, if you're a men's rights activist who's about to be listening to this today, suck it. <laughs> Just getting that out of there. Please feel free to gripe about us and complain about us and make a big deal about us. We yes. want that. So anyway, with that in mind, preamble established. Let's let's get down to business. Yeah. Our topic is uh, today is feminism in the film industry. Because we've got some serious, serious complaints. Yeah. Specifically, uh, how women are treated on film and women's careers in the film industry, why there really aren't enough women directors. This is a, a topic that was brought on by, it was just kind of a series of incidents that came together to force us to bring this topic up. First among them was a, uh, a piece written by uh, the director Lexi Alexander, mm -hmm. who was complaining about the lack of female directors and wrote a very concise article that we're going to link to. It's a superb piece of writing, and fortunately, we don't have to feel like hypocrites because we already have a review of one of her films on one of our previous podcasts. Marvel yeah. 2, go look it up. Punisher Warzone. It's still a great movie. Still a movie we really loved, so go, get, go back to that. The second is the fact that uh, last year, for the first time since I think the 1970s, according to what I've seen, mm -hmm. a female-fronted movie was the number one film at the box office. Yeah, yeah. that film in question was uh, The Hunger Games Catching Fire, which was unambiguously a female-fronted movie. I actually have that uh, rented out right now from Redbox. Sweet. Yes. 
for our thoughts on that, well, we haven't actually done a cast on The Hunger Games. We're waiting for that series to end to do a cast on it. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'll say right now, I absolutely loved the living hell out of that movie. Oh, I'm a full-on fangirl. I love that whole series. I read the books in two days, and I'll yeah. midnight for the third movie. Well, third I, I, I thought the second movie was just incredible. I thought it was a tremendous step up from the uh, first movie uh, in terms of adapting the book. Uh, totally a Jennifer Lawrence fan. I think she kicks ass in everything she does. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm, I'm thrilled that the film was in that position because it was a damned good movie. Uh, if you haven't seen it, Highly, highly recommend it. So there's there's also a, a third reason, and this is probably the biggest reason. I feel like that's the place where, you know, we're going to get into this issue. Disney really, really, really blew the marketing on Frozen, in my opinion. Ugh, and that, yeah. Was not and surprising to anyone. <laughs> it's not, not really. and we're going to discuss why it's not uh, over the course of the cast. But in my opinion, Disney absolutely blew the marketing on it. And I'm sure that a number of you are quick are already raising your hands and going, but, 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 yes, I know about the box office. I know the film was a smash hit. I don't know how is the thing in light of the marketing. Word of mouth, yes, I understand that because I know word of mouth did drive that film's box office. But it opened huge, and I don't understand how because they – the trailers and posters and all the marketing for it was the most fumbled, just weird, couldn't express what the movie was about. It's just, the trailer did not interest me. The one with the uh, the snowman and the deer. Yeah. It's like, okay, it's not Pixar. Why should I care? Kind of thing. Yeah. It could be a Christmas movie. Yeah. I'm really exactly. showing. You don't associate reindeer and snowman with anything but. No. But <laughs> which, which I'm sure was deliberate. And which probably likely did have to do with why the film did open. Because, I mean, it should be stressed, it opened huge. But To be fair, any Disney princess film, it could be the character of Anna also reading the phone book for two hours with maybe <laughs> singing a song at the end. It would do pretty well. Well, <laughs> not necessarily. The Princess and the Frog uh, didn't exactly set the box office on fire. But, I don't know, this one came along at the right moment for... But seriously, Disney blew the marketing on this movie horribly. And they did the same thing with Tangled. And I know that I know that more hands are going up pointing out that that film was a hit. Yes, it was. I still have issues with how they marketed it. Because those trailers were so inaccurate for what the film actually was. Yeah, another one that just from the trailer did not really interest me until I saw it. And I admittedly, I've seen both films in theaters, and I'm probably going to see Frozen at least once more before it goes out of theaters. So, you know, trying to hold off on giving too many review thoughts on that film, that's not going to happen during this one. I'm going to have to get into my thoughts on it. But uh, So many problems with the last two Disney Princess features, it's not even funny. <laughs> yeah, I intend, to, uh, I intend to debate you a bit on this, because I have some disagreements. Let's do it! Let's do, do it! it. Somebody get the Alan Parsons project going and, you know, let's do our throwdown. My boxing gloves are on. It won't help because we're on the internet, but they're no. here for moral support. Hey, you know it won't help. Oh, no. <laughs> help my head. Heck, why don't you get us started? You mentioned that you have uh, problems with them. I think that seems like a beautiful place to start. I yeah. have so many problems last two Disney princess films because they are so 
entirely different from the, like the previous Disney princess films, and they seem to be taking a giant step backwards for lady characters. It just um, feels like we can't have old women in the movies anymore. We can't have multiple female characters. It seemed like Disney was pushing, like, oh, Frozen is a sister film, and it's all about the relationship, and it's feminist because there's two ladies in it. Hmm. In the past, we've had Disney films with a whole wealth of female characters of all different types and looks and personalities. It just it seems like such a step backwards for me. <laughs> you actually you actually have a really damned good point there. You have a really good point. I hadn't thought about that, but you are right. Cinderella has how many female characters? I wrote it yeah. down. I think it's somewhere like seven or eight speaking female characters from Talking yeah. Spice to Fairy Godmothers to evil old women and evil stepsisters. And... So they're not all positive, but they are there. <laughs> right. well, I should make that clear. When I say I want a lot of different female characters, I don't mean they all have to be intelligent, bright rocket scientists who can kick butt. As long as they're different and a whole wealth of different kinds of women, mm-hmm. they could be yeah. bad mothers, they could be drug dealers, as long as there's something to balance them out. Because <laughs> let's face right. it, we've all known we've all known people like that. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you are right. I, I think you know it, it occurs to me that uh, in the case of Frozen, I can think of three female characters, and one of them's a rock. Yeah, one of them's a rock. True. Two of them are sisters who appear identical, and the other speaking role is a mom who dies in the first five minutes. It's a Disney movie. She has to. Not always. There are Not always. Disney films where she, the mom makes it all the way to the end. But Lion King. <laughs> Lion True. King, Princess True. and the Frog, uh, Mulan. Yeah, but of course, in all fairness, uh, in two of those examples, the father dies horrible deaths. So. <laughs> True. Disney movies. The two-parent family is not something we endorse. No, they're very hard. They're very hard to come by. But yeah, you you are right about that. That they have been getting very regressive on that. Uh, and well, obviously, I'm not saying movies like Cinderella are perfect by any standards. No, Cinderella right. has some serious Bottom issues. Serious, serious issues. But it still had a little bit more to offer when I compare it to Rapunzel, which has two female characters. Um, the princess who is only a little bit of personal growth through the entire film and an evil woman who's just trying to stay young and pretty, which is a terrible, terrible, terrible lady stereotype. Well, I think that, uh, I think that one of the key issues with uh, Tangled was that Tangled was a prime example of what we're talking about, about the marketing. Uh, they really beefed up the Flynn character uh-huh. in, an eff- in a desperate attempt to appeal to boys. Like, now, I don't not- watch the trailer... It seems to be his movie. Rapunzel's never even mentioned. See that handsome fellow running for his life? That is me. They just can't get my nose right. No, they even changed the title to reflect that. <sighs> because they did not want to scare off boys. Heaven forbid. Look, uh, the name also kind of put me off. It's like, Tangle, what the hell is that? If they had yeah. just called it Rapunzel... That's like, okay, okay, I get it. Yeah, that would have been clear and obvious. Um, right. No, it was very obvious that they beefed up the part of Flynn in a desperate attempt to appear, appeal to males. Now, I don't fully dislike this because I did enjoy that character. Oh, he's but... funny and wonderful, well-written, but when a movie should be about the main character, it's the Rapunzel story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, swallow. <laughs> You're right. Uh, this is that, that that is very problematic that Disney did that. I, I don't know that it necessarily 
makes for a bad movie, but it definitely makes for a movie where the focus is not handled right. And you're right about the limited personal growth. She's not the one who has the personal growth. He is. Oh, yeah, not at all. She's pretty much outgoing, ready to get out of that tower from the minute we meet her to the minute we say goodbye to her. She's the, pretty much the same girl. Not necessarily. There's that beautiful scene where we see her flipping back and forth. That's about that, 30 seconds, and she gets and it, up pretty dang quick. <laughs> it is, but it's a hilarious 30 seconds, and I just have to note that. Oh, the movie's cute. I always do that. Like, I love the song in the bar or she's singing about her dream and it's all the big burly yes. stuff. They're all having their moment. There are cute moments. Again, when I say I don't, I love Disney princesses. I will tear them a hole from here all the way to Milwaukee, but I love them. That's why it hurts. That's fair. <laughs> hey, then that's fair. That's fair. I mean, look, for example, I think Jasmine's an amazing, strong character. She's still putting the harem outfit. She's still putting a hair on map, but she still has zero lady characters to talk to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's a smurfette in a vacuum. She just all alone. Which I honestly <laughs> almost feel like gives it a subtext to why she's so miserable. Yeah, she's just hanging out with a creepy old dude who wants to marry her and her dad all day. And a tiger. <laughs> and a tiger. Her only friend. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd be miserable too. Without that tiger, she probably would have hung herself. She would have never been in the film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, no, you're you're right. You are completely right, though. Uh, Tangled really has that, and uh, and again, I like Flynn Rider. If you compare him to like an Aladdin, or if it was Flynn Rider as a Robin Hood character, where he's the main character, he would have been super fun. Yeah, he's great. But I feel like he's just a distraction in a movie where he's not supposed to be the main character. And I really think that comes down to Disney having really focused grouped that movie. They they. Disney was trying desperately to dig itself out of a hole at the point when that film came out, and I think they've at this point gotten out of that hole pretty nicely, uh, at least box office-wise. But yeah, they, they, they definitely did that in a desperate attempt to, heaven forbid we appeal to young women. Uh, yeah, pause. what follows my mind is they had some of the Disney's that had the same problems with the 90s renaissance. You always hear stories of how The Little Mermaid almost got cut to shreds. Mm-hmm. Almost didn't come out. Watch the documentary Waking Sleeping Beauty to see I don't all. Have, actually, on my desk right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's an awesome movie. That. I saw it at the Little Rock Film Festival. That's an awesome movie. If only to watch a young Tim Burton spit blood. Yes. <laughs> worth watching. It's, that's on Netflix, isn't it? I don't think it is, but it's. Aww. If it's not, it's it, it's well worth your time to seek out. Uh, okay. If your childhood ever involved a Disney film, you'll enjoy it. Oh, yeah. You're right. They talk about how they tried to get rid of the part of your world sequence. Yeah. All because a little boy dropped his popcorn and got distracted. <laughs> really? Yes. Oh my See, God. I was five when I saw that movie, and that sequence enraptured me. It was, I mean, I was a, you know, that's the thing. I was a five-year-old boy. I was the target audience for what we're discussing in terms of what they would expect would turn us off. I loved that movie. Oh, I watch my nephews it. nowadays. I play them off of them, and they're all... That's when everything gets quiet and I get five minutes of quiet to myself. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, because that sequence is so involving. I mean, I, I'm sorry. I just, uh, I don't, I don't for a moment believe that little boys won't go to see a movie because the main character is female. I'm going to say that right now. I think probably the most offensive thing in all that, like the recent uh, marketing things, is that The Princess and the Frog failed not because it had princess in the title, but because it just wasn't that great. That's my opinion. Yeah. I mean, I also think like, I like that movie as mm-hmm. 
as a lady, especially because it's right. very well written for maybe it not story wise, but definitely as a female character wise. Right, it is. It was also thrown under the bus advertising wise. Mm. Like I've never seen a Disney movie before. They came out apologizing for that movie. Wow. They did. Let you like that movie when you walked into it. It was it was kind of sad the marketing for it. It was and also it was desperate. It was like, please remember our glory days. Remember these. Remember Beauty and the Beast? Come on, don't you remember that? We used to do 2D animated movies. Here's another one. Come on. I have a feeling if they would have marketed that instead of being like, oh, it's a return to form, and oh, we're trying so hard. Right. And millions of, like, they changed the title for that one to appear less offensive, and which I agree. Yeah, the Frog Princess does kind and of... I have, oh, I have some racial... Yeah. That poor princess spends most of the film as a frog and not as a princess, and that is just disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> Again, we're not even... Just, We're not even touching race. Oh, yeah. <laughs> not with a 10-foot pole. Well, I do have to say, as a feminist, I have to be intersectional with this. We are 50% yes. of the population and 50% of every population, be it lesbians, the black ladies, the Latino ladies. We're all ladies, and we're everywhere. They will slide in there once or twice. But if they would have just come out and said, Princess and the Frog, it's new, it's awesome, come see it. There's a pretty girl in a big green dress, and there's fights and alligators. Come on! Keith David plays a uh, voodoo witch doctor. Oh, that was Keith David? Holy shit. And I got friends on the other side. That's an echo, gentlemen. Just a little something we have here in Louisiana. A little parlor trick, don't worry. Sit down at my table. Put your minds at ease. Yeah. And that song way, I can just dance around the house to as an adult, and I'm fine. <laughs> or for whatever issues I have with that movie, in that moment, that movie just becomes awesome because David gives it his all. He kills in that moment. That is the most classic Disney villain song. That just it, like it feels like I had listened to it when I was five, and I don't know yeah. how they pulled that off. I know it's it's great. It's again, I, I, Keith David is awesome. I mean, Goliath. What more do you need to say? Yeah, the last cast we talked about... Um, uh, the, That's right, we did, didn't we? Yeah, we talked about Coraline and Paranorman and the fact that Keith David plays the cat. I love Coraline. Again, speaking of a yeah. good children's film with a well-rounded cast... Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, shit. We, 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 by the time this comes out, you'll be able to listen to our thoughts on Coraline. We absolutely loved it, suffice oh, to say. I won't, yes. I won't ship too much then, but yeah, that is... <laughs> again, as a lady... That oh yeah, strong female characters to the left, to the right, over there, different designs. Yeah. Everyone's design Coraline was different. Coraline reminded me of the girls I knew at that age. Very strong, very stubborn, mm -hmm. very, you know, very forceful, and also very devoted to the things that she cared about. Oh, it's again. It felt not to get keep repeating this, but it felt very throwback to the '90s, where it felt when you started to get these really like accurate reflections of being a little girl mm -hmm. like i'm wearing a pink dress and we're having tea parties but i'm in the woods i'm covered in mud things are terrifying yeah <laughs> so much yeah. more accurate yeah no Coraline to me felt like a throwback to characters like matilda very much love okay. Roald dolls matilda never seen the film version really film almost was good that's why I'm that's shocked. the irony that's the irony, is that I've heard the film version is spot-on accurate, mm -hmm. but I love the book so much that I'm scared to see it. This might be one of the few cases where I liked the movie better than the book. 
Well, with Danny DeVito directing, I could believe that because he has that darkness as a director. They don't shy away from it. It is good. There are parts that gave me nightmares as a child. Okay, I might have to see this. And I, you do know, it, I like do it, I, dude. I like uh, no cases of bad children acting. It's all even the kids feel like thought, real children. Well, I thought Mara Wilson was an incredible young actress, and uh, you know, to this day, has an awesome Twitter feed. Yeah, if you all of our followers follow Mara Wilson, she also has a blog. What is it? Mara Mara writes it. We'll link to it. Yeah. Mara writes stuff. Yeah. yeah. And in the performance of the Trunchbull, which could have gone horrible or cartoony, is so terrifying. Well, mm-hmm. actually, I've seen Pam Ferris and a few other things. Uh, Children of Men. She was in Children of Men. Oh, yeah. Was she? Had a great, a- yeah. She, she had a great uh, part in that, too. She, uh, a very different part from that character, admittedly. A very kind part. And from what I understand, was more reflective of who uh, she is as a person. But uh, she does not torture children. I would assume not. No. (laughs) Note: the film room does not intend to uh, slander any actors and accuse them of torturing children unless we know for a fact that they do. Getting back to you know again the marketing issues and the the fact that you mentioned as you said there there really aren't in Frozen. You're right. There's only three female characters who have any particular amount of time on screen and really only two at that are there two characters that are very similar we have anna again who is very much like rapunzel and doesn't have a ton of personal growth and again they could be they could be twins they're only presenting one real look for ladies in this movie i can actually kind of excuse that because they are supposed to be sisters and i've known a number of sisters who do in fact look that much identical uh in fact amanda and her sister look so much alike that i've had friends confuse them oh if we were given again if we were given a girth of female characters and to say like their mom looked older and not their own age yeah so other women say like people who worked in the castle or some other friend that i could excuse it but when they're the only two female characters it looks a little cop. cookie cutter. That's a fair cop. That's a fair cop. Oh god, not to bring the Disney the director video Disney sequels in too much, but please don't. No, but when I was over babysitting uh my niece the last time, she was watching like Little Mermaid Three, like the prequel. And um Ariel's mother looks exactly like Ariel to the point that I was confused. Yeah, she has slightly browner hair and a slightly bluer tail. <laughs> Right, exactly. Any differences. And there's a reason that I've never seen uh, any Little Mermaid project past the first one in the animated series. Yeah. I will say some of the Cinderella sequels have something to them. Mm-hmm. That's what I've if heard. I've heard them for free. I will suggest it. Hmm. I've heard the they third one's actually kind of story. interesting. Yeah, they've got a very nice story with one of the um, Wicked Stepsisters in one of the sequels. Hmm. That's what I heard. They actually show growth, and they show that there are reasons that sometimes people are evil for a reason. And yeah. they, so they, they do try. They're not good. They <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like we're actually getting ready to inch towards uh, one of my big debates with you by oh, bringing you that up. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I have to say I disagree with your interpretation of the film's message about Elsa and her powers. I just I have to put that out there. So why don't we give your interpretation because they don't have the notes. Well, first, I need, I'll need i have to give context for this. Please do. In the last two Disney films with princesses, we are given princesses with superpowers, which we've never had really before. But a few times we've had it before, it always felt like, again, like the fairies were always just magical and we accepted it. 
it always felt like Ariel, when she gave up her voice, which is her special thing, it was bad. Bad news. But in the last two, we have first Rapunzel, who has this magical hair, fixes all problems. She'll glue your leg right back on with that hair. <laughs> and it's taken away from her. And it's not a bad thing when it happens. Which is slightly terrifying to me. And she doesn't have any choice in giving it up. No, she doesn't. And again, in this context, I'm a little worried that when Frozen was advertised, Disney early released the song Let It Go. Fun song. Beautiful song. Deserved its Oscar. One of the reasons why the movie had so much draw is that song. I don't disagree at all. It's her on the mountain, losing her mind. She finally gets to just embrace the she's been terrified of and embrace her power. Wonderful. She goes Dr. Manhattan in it. Full on. Full on beautiful uh, castle, Dr. Manhattan on Mars moment. I'm sorry, I had to jump in with that. Oh, you're fine, because it's it's a very accurate description. (laughs) If I was telling Comic-Con, explaining the movie, that's probably the way I'd go. (laughs) What bothers me is, again, her power is still something negative. It's still something that accidentally hurts her sister more than once in her life. It's still something that is has a lot of risk to it. Uh, she makes a snow monster by accident that ends up causing her sister and her friends a whole bunch of grief. It still needs something that needs to be, though she learns it in a positive way, that needs to be like under control. And that just bothers me so much. That those last two movies both have things where women are un- in powers are uncontrollable beyond their grasp and it's something someone else needs to take care of them and that bothers me so much and i think that that's i think that that's an interesting perspective and i can see where you're coming from here's how i approach it though okay. is that i see the film less as treating it as a cry for binding and more of a cry against the effect of what happens when you it, here's i guess the way that i would look at it is i almost see it as a metaphor for being sheltered and being repressed. And it's something that I've seen play out in my own life in terms of people that I've known for years. You know, again, I'm from the South and it goes without saying that I know a number of people who have been very repressed. They've been very not able to be who they were because of their family lives. And I see what happens then when they get a chance to be free and released, and what happens is they go too far. These are often the people who wind up uh, dabbling in things they shouldn't, and their lives go awry. At the end of the day, the key is moderation, and I feel like that's what I feel like the film is not so much trying to attack her as it's to say. Oh no, no! I actually I agree with you. Story-wise, that makes complete sense. But in the context of, like, children's movies, there's very rarely, say, the equivalent for boys. And the Superman cartoons are things aimed at children that involve superheroes. It's never... There is stories where it's about a male character with powers who might accidentally hurt someone they're they're involved with. Spider-Man. But but that's usually aimed at the adults. It rarely... Cartoons or the kid stuff, would you ever see them worried about that it's always more of an embrace and enjoyment of having this fantasy of i can fly i've got spider powers and uh, that comes down to the fact that superhero stories are at their core adolescent male power fantasies and that's why just again so much was sold on this let it go song 
forget it was the fantasy, it was the castle, it was the sparkly dress, it was the superpowers, yeah, only yeah. to have that kind of rewound a little bit. And and I think that in that context, I do see where you're coming from. I do see that that is a problematic theme. Um, I, I, I just, again, I guess my approach is that I'm so much of a literalist. Well, actually, I'm not a literalist in that I'm a te- uh, viewing it in a metaphorical sense. But I guess I'm so much of a dramatist that I'm going to view it from through the dramatic sense and, again, through the metaphor. I mean, I almost see the film as a giant metaphor for a uh, troubled family, a... Uh, you know, I'm not even getting into the uh, gay and lesbian reading of the film, which I have absolutely seen, and yeah. <laughs> which there's probably not a small amount of reason to see the film working that way. Um, a number of my gay friends really loved the film, I'll tell you that. Oh, and I will say, I have a queer lady who loved that film. It's a good film, again, to sit and watch. Yeah. You just have problems with it on that level. Well, I think that's, uh, you know, seeing, you know, hearing what you're, where you're coming from on this, I think that you do make some, you do make an excellent point seeing it in that way. As I said, I'm just focusing on it on that level. What's uh, interesting is um, Lindsay Ellis, the uh, nostalgia chick, uh, recently did a rebuttal on, it was like, I think you sent me this, Austin. It was yeah. like the novel length. Uh, thing on why Frozen is a horrible anti-feminist film, blah blah blah. And uh, one of the things they brought up was, uh, oh yeah, the female characters don't grow, blah blah. blah. And Lindsay's response to that was, well, I mean, sure, uh, if the film had stopped at Let It Go, then yeah. And that's yeah, and the, um, that kind of you know, you bring up the point that Let It Go was like the highly publicized. It's like yeah, that is. That's the most highly publicized part of the film is the part where she's kind of uh, immaturely, like... She's getting drunk on her own powers. Right, right. See, that's where, even that, even saying it like that, I wouldn't say that moment is her getting drunk on her own powers. It's the first time she's ever really had a chance. And well, since I'm, she's getting drunk I, on her powers, I'd say she'd be riding that giant snowman, smashing the village and going, ha-ha, motherfuckers. Right. I'm not, I don't up. mean it literally. I, I don't no. necessarily mean it in that sense. But I'm saying that it's, it is it is the experience. Again, I'm, I'm using the allegory for what I've seen in the South. Again, almost without fail, it happens, by the way, that that happens. You, you see one of two things. Either the people, become, either the people stay extremely repressed because, frankly, that is who they are naturally. I mean, I, I've known a number of people for whom they grew up in repressive backgrounds and did just great because that's the kind of people that they were. Again, if, I would have understood that if she was doing something technically irresponsible. When she goes off, makes herself a new home of her own, and she gets a chance to unwind, technically, from all the information she knows, it's a responsible choice. She doesn't have to worry about accidentally hurting her sister again. True. No, she doesn't worry about hurting anybody, and she's her own woman. So that's why the only thing I can't compare the two, though I can see how it's interpreted as such. Well, she does also cast the kingdom into a deep winter. She doesn't know she's done this at this point. That is true, though. That, you are right, though. She doesn't know And that. when she finds out about it, she's alarmed. Yes, you are correct. You are correct about that. So she does. She's not someone who's like uh, guilt-free. She just uh, would feel bad if she hurt somebody. She obviously does. She hasn't quite gone off the rails yet. No. Right. Uh, talking about this, I, I I really am struck by how much I loved that character. Um, oh no, I love the character. I'm not again. I might not be big on the designs of the character, but I think it's great that they have a female character who isn't love-driven and who has this problem and wants to figure out how to control it. She's a great character. And. 
credit due to Adina Menzel for just knocking it out of the park on that performance. I hate the fact that she's almost become only known for a, a bad flub of John Travolta's because yeah. the woman's an amazing actress and uh, singer and deserves all the credit in the world for that work. Uh, one of my coworkers informed me that she was one of the principal cast members on Wicked, which I didn't know. You didn't Is know she, that? I did she not was know Alfaba. that. No. She was who? She was Elphaba. I'm not familiar with the, the, witch, the, Wicked, witch. the Wicked Witch. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, which is kind of hilarious because almost um, Elsa and Elphaba have very similar kind of personalities. Of course, the big song in that. Um, oh, that's why great. she was cast all the way. So, yeah, they're, they're twins. They're buddies. <laughs> oh, that's completely why she was cast. I have yeah. no doubt about that. It's kind of the same situation as to why Josh Gad was cast because yes. he was playing a similar character to the one he did in Book of Mormon. Oh, it's yeah. so hard to watch a little snowman and not think of that. Like, I, I didn't realize that that was him until, at, like, I was in the theater watching. It's like, oh my god, it's Arnold Cunningham. Huh? <laughs> uh-huh. A baby cannot cure your illness, Joseph Smith. I shall give unto you uh, a happy snowman. When life gets rough, I like to hold on to my dream. I think they completely wanted you to think of that, actually, which is yeah. fine by me, because I, I loved Gad's work in that, and uh, I loved his work here. I, I, for all the griping about how much they focused on the snowman in the initial stuff, I loved yeah. I loved that little guy. That's one of the problems I have, is he's very lovable, and his little message about uh, like wanting to see summer and then meeting someone worth melting over, very sweet. But yeah, it's a big detractor from the story. It, it is, but that's he comic relief. the hero story. of the story, and it was all about Olaf. Awesome. Mm-hmm. But if you look back again at many of the Disney classics, there's no side-talking animal character who gets as much focus yeah. as Olaf does. Well, I think that probably is a, a result of, again, whatever's going on in uh, the air at Disney, because mm-hmm. it's they, awkward. They what, whatever's have going on. to include their, uh, their lovable comic sidekick, even if they're not important to the story. And then I stuffed the crackers down his throat. <laughs> and they do that on the Princess and the Frog to a degree where it's well, they do something weird with the uh, character. They kill them. They kill him. It's so sad. It that was that was part of the problem that I had with that film was that it's just it was weird. I will say I know there's a lot of problems with that film. It is not a perfect Disney film, but I do love that film for two reasons, and that would be Tiana. And Lottie. Yeah, though, those noticed, are great uh, characters. Female relationship works so well into a Disney film like those two. I wish uh, we had as much I, between Anna and Elsa as we did between Lottie and Tiana. All my life, I read about true love and fairy tales. And Tia, you found it. I'll kiss him for you, honey. No marriage required. I loved the friendship there. I loved the fact that when Lottie realizes that uh, her friend is in this situation, her immediate reaction is that she throws everything that she wants overboard for her because she cares. Yeah, she's a good person. And, and Which is an interesting concept in that era and probably actually not as inaccurate as people would assume, you know, given the racial context of that era. Probably not that inaccurate. I would, I would imagine that characters like that did have relationships like that in that era. And I love that the movie didn't ignore the racial. There were definitely little inklings to some of the racism of that time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And 
I think it might have been heavy for some kids, but kids do need to hear it. Kids right. do need to hear it. Which I think definitely scared parents off. As much well, as I think kids need to hear it, there's definitely parents who are like, nope. Parents always forget that kids can handle a lot more than they're given credit for. That's one of the reasons that we try to attack movies like The Oogie Loves is because they're pablum and we can't – kids deserve better. The movies that I loved as a kid, I remember really being blown away when I saw Toy Story and realizing, holy crap, this is a movie where the main character is wrong. He is completely wrong, and he has to grow and evolve. And, you know, that really blew me away as a kid, even though that's such a basic storytelling concept. I remember that really blew me away. Oh, no, I think some of the best children's films, kids will have to have a cry over. Yeah. That sounds hard, but it's true. I think because kids, being a kid is such a traumatic time. If you're a kid, you drop your ice cream. It's the last ice cream you ever had, and it is worth crying over. Yeah. Right. You need a catharsis in your entertainment. I can't help but feel like we almost need to shift the discussion. I feel like we've gone at Frozen enough. We've had a lot of feels. We've had a lot of feels about Frozen. Yes. Yeah, let's, you know, we talked about, however, a little bit about superpowers. This is, I think, my big gripe that I want to bring to Hollywood, and it goes to this. Why are there no female superhero movies? Why is I, there no I, Wonder Woman movie? Why is there no Wonder Woman? Just, let's go back to where we started. Mm-hmm. The biggest film of 2013 was a female superhero movie. It was, absolutely. And it wasn't even an ambiguous case, again, where, well, Katniss is a main character, but she doesn't really do much. She sits at the... The the thing about it is Katniss is a badass character who is incredible with a bow, is lethal, is forceful, is powerful, is stubborn, doesn't wilt doesn't even really particularly seem to regard the men in her life with very much. No. God, I love Katniss Everdeen. But it's more than that. If you even remove Katniss from discussion, that is a movie populated with different powerful female characters. Effie. It is. From yeah, the very feminine Effie, who worries about things in a very feminine, traditional way, to Katniss's mother, who's a bad, traumatized mother, to mm-hmm. her Jim, friends in the games, the, a Jim, whole slew of different people. Jenna Malone's character, I forgot oh, her name at the moment. Uh, Joanna. Joanna, yeah. yeah. Loved you, that character. And even if you push all the lady characters aside, the feminine things are usually assigned to females. We have some of those in men in these movies. Yeah, we have for, great feminist male characters. We have Cinna, who is a fashion designer, who's still very powerful in the movie, but not a traditional male well, role. Well, I heard a point. Who's a baker. Well, I actually heard this point made that Peta fulfills the very the role that a female love interest would traditionally fill. And well, they're right. So. True. He's constantly falling down, breaking his heel, and eating rescued. <laughs> That's exactly what he does. And, God, I mean, again... He's a I, wonderful character. He's not a parody of it. He is... No, he's not, a rich character. Yeah. He has that wonderful scene on the train where you see just how little he has to live for. Mm-hmm. And your heart breaks for the poor guy. He's fleshed out. And, again, even the people in the Capitol who are, again... Cartoons. Have, Fill a lot of cartoony feminine stereotypes, but again, it's still that it's in females and males. It's a nice mix. To one boy and every one girl from every district will be chosen. Yeah. It's a 50 film. It really, uh, I, you know, I, I'm glad that we're discussing the Hunger Games because it's nice to discuss something that is the antithesis of what I'm about to tear into. Yeah. Which is the reason that's traditionally pointed out for why we don't have female superhero movies is that the ones that they've done have failed miserably. And they're not wrong. They have like failed at the box office. Supergirl. Yeah, Supergirl, yeah. Electra, Catwoman. 
That always forgets that how many of the male ones have also been awful. Well, that's a good yeah. start at. That's a good. That's exactly the problem. Is that Spawn, Steel, uh, yeah, Batman, and Robin movies? Even though we've all seen the original Batman. Punisher. Yeah, the original Punisher, Blade Three, both of the Ghost. Jesus, they made two Ghost Rider movies. <laughs> Not that either one was particularly good. I mean, yeah, it, we've had Batman and Robin in this universe, mm-hmm. and yet we've still had so many more Batmans. Well, I love the fact that the same guy is in The Dark Knight and Batman and Robin, uh, Senator Patrick Leahy. Oh, of course. Has, he has cameos in both movies. So uh, so it's like, wow, you're literally in the worst Batman movie and the best. That's awesome. But it but, just, well, female superheroes are never given a second chance. They aren't. They aren't. Never blamed on terrible writing or terrible acting or bad editing. Because none of the films that we've listed that are female superhero films are good. No. Mm -mm. They're not good. I would gladly go see a Wonder Woman movie if it was good. In fact, I would so scared future Wonder Woman movie. I'm so scared of it. I, well, you know, again, the thing that's always going to drive me nuts is... The fact that Joss Whedon was signed to write and direct a movie and Warner Brothers said no. Oh, you know they're kicking themselves for the rest of eternity. Over they're time. going to. They will because I firmly believe Joss Whedon could have pulled it off. I, Especially, I've heard his treatments of a period piece, much like Captain America was, that mm-hmm. focused on Themyscira, the Amazon island. And Which is what he would be interested in. Yep. And that's what I think. This was why I'm so surprised there hasn't been a Wonder Woman movie. Is it's a superhero who offers something different. It's the only superhero out of DC canon that you could have her fighting a dragon and punching a Nazi, and it's not weird. And no, that's like a wonderful blockbuster right there. Well, I mean, I would totally be down for this. Again, they cannot figure out what to do with this character. Part of the thing that I find so stupid about this is that the character has such inherent name value. And she's already sold movies. If you look at the DC Animated Universe where they're releasing films, her DVD is one of the best-selling out of all the animated movies. And it's a good movie, too. Oh, it's amazing. Give him nothing. The wallet. No, we're going to hold on to that. But there is something I want from you. An apology for contributing to my present disillusionment with men in general. Can you believe this crazy chick? I'm not going to ask again. The wallet. Someone could get hurt. Maybe I want someone to get hurt. Which one is it? The Wonder Woman, um, starring the lady who was in the show Felicity and Nathan uh, Fillion. Carrie Russell. Carrie oh, Russell, nice. thank you. And Nathan Fillion does a voice for it. He's uh, he's uh, Steve Trevor in it. He's so gross in it. It's so wonderful. <laughs> he is. Oh, he this is... dirtbag. I kind of almost hate that movie because it's so much what I want it to be, uh, I will say, I noticed looking at the writing credits on it, there's a very simple reason as to why it probably was so strong was I noticed uh, Gail Simone was oh, one of the yeah. writers. Yeah. The uh, director and lady written. It was definitely had a female presence. Simone is, uh, we're not going to get into women in comics right now, but. No. You can invite me back to that though. <laughs> we would, oh, we'd love to. We'd love to. Yeah, absolutely. That, that may be a future cast. Um, Simone is um, the fo- probably the foremost writer that we've got dealing with these issues in that medium. And she she coined the term women in refrigerators for when women are just used as victims. Cannon fodder. Cannon fodder. 
Simone is extremely against this. Um, she's also an amazing writer. Um, I've actually got a trade of her Batgirl uh, sitting on my shelf because I just picked it up from the library. Uh, she's an awesome writer. I, I love her stuff. Uh, Even just Wonder Woman as a whole, she's taken a very terrifying turn the last couple of years with movie rumors and the new 52. The character has gone from being uh, literally a character born of one woman sculpting a baby out of clay and being brought to life by magical powers to, again, a child of Zeus. Mm-hmm. who definitely takes away someone for a little feminist. There's, and the there's also that she's going to be Kryptonian. That's, oh. that's been, that's been debunked. That's it's been, been debunked. debunked it's firm debunked. That even come to be scares me. They I know have, the rumor. I know it was debunked, but Warner brothers has Warner brothers has said out loud. No. In fact, they want to do paradise Island. They want to do all of that. And I'm so glad they've given Wonder Woman a three movie deal, which means hopefully we get there. But it just frightens me that we've heard nothing good. And I'm also kind of I I don't want to prejudge casting because I even noted on the previous on the Marvel casts that I was confused when Robert Downey Jr. was cast as Iron Man. I wasn't because that made perfect sense to me. But <laughs> I've eaten those. Look, you don't know how many times I've eaten those words. Yeah. Suffice it to say, as an Iron Man fan, I was not pissed with him. Yeah. But so, I, I, I bring a drug addict dirtbag to play a, dirt, a drug addict dirtbag. Fantastic. <laughs> they are right. Well, I wasn't confused about that. I was just expecting them to go more traditional. Um, they didn't, and I'm glad. Um, but anyway, getting back to this this casting on Wonder Woman, I don't know how to make of the actress they've got. I've never seen her in anything. People who have say she's good, but I just don't know. I'm giving her the benefit of the doubt. Because sometimes just throwing a new person in there, she can take a fresh take. We're not expecting any traits of hers to come through. Which is true. But what worries me, I hate to be someone worrying about a lady's physical appearance, but she's very petite. She's very petite. And Wonder Woman has always been drawn as being taller than Superman and Batman. She can I, go over her shoulder and carry him around like a little puppy. I guess part of the problem also is that I know the actresses that were looked at when Whedon was doing it. Yeah. And they were so very good. It was uh, Kobe Smulders from How I Met Your Mother. See, uh, I disagree with that too. I love I, her. I love her as Maria Hill, but yeah, she's very I good could, at being tough. I could have seen it. I could have seen it. Um, I could have easily seen it. Um, and well, the one that really annoys me is Evangeline Lilly from uh, Lost, who, after seeing her in The Hobbit, I would have totally been down for her as Wonder Woman. She could have pulled it off, in my opinion. No, I, I have. I would really want to see someone like big in a role like a Gina Torres or a Lucy Lawless who Ooh, is yeah. physically imposing. I don't think now she's young. I don't think she has to be pretty. No. And I know I, Gal Gadot is, again, I'm giving her all a bit of a doubt. Good luck to you. Blow me away. Please do. All my sparkles to you, sister. Do good. But <laughs> Sunshine. I just worry. I just worry. <laughs> I... I I, I do worry. Um, by the way, you mentioned Lawless. Now is where I get to pause to plug uh, Justice League, the new frontier, if anybody wants to see Lawless. Oh, Wonder Woman. I gave them freedom and a chance for justice. You know, the American way. This is what the government's afraid of, Diana. Us acting like vigilantes. I have to do what I think is right. Take a look around, Cal. Oaths don't mean much here. All I see is suffering and madness. But there's the door, Spaceman. I love that movie and I love that comic. I love that movie. I love that comic. I think the 
look, we could just pause here and praise the DC animated universe yes. uh, movies. I love them. Just rent one and you're probably not going to be angry. A lot of them are on Netflix too. Um, although I can get, although even here I have to pause and go, why did you do that? When they did the Supergirl arc uh, as Superman, Batman, Apocalypse, they okay. first of all, the movie's actually a spot-on adaptation of the arc. They it did. Uh, it's actually probably because they're not doing the Michael Turner art, rest in peace, but seriously, man, you had issues. You know, the art's actually probably more flattering to the women because it's not waste, you know. True, yeah, it's not. Ring thin waists. It's not babelicious. Not. No. But, I mean, I'm just saying, I. We need a Wonder Woman movie, is what it comes down to. We need. We need anything that can break this barrier. And what shocks me is that Marvel hasn't stepped up to try to beat them. I feel right. like there's talk that they're going to do it. There's talk of. Uh, Carol Danvers in whatever name they want to give her, Captain Marvel. If it's not Captain Marvel, I will, I'll throw something off a bridge. I don't it'll know. be Captain Marvel because they want to tie to the current, uh, very well-reviewed, I haven't read it yet, but I need to, uh, comic book series. Um, it'll be it's Captain... Not the new Miss Marvel gets me your feelings there. I haven't read any of it. I've heard it's superb. It's if you, even if you just look at it for the art, the art is beautiful. You'll enjoy yeah. it. It's Adrian Alfona, isn't it? Yeah. Runaways. I love Runaways like few comics I've ever read. So, yeah, I'm sure it's great art. So, get on that train. But you think that there would either be a Widow movie because they've already set this character up in more films than some of the other characters. Well, the, 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 thing, the crazy thing about that is that the character is really well liked. Oh, yeah. I loved – I mentioned in the Marvel cast that she's one of my favorite characters from the comics, period. And, again, you talk about skepticism. I was skeptical of Scarlett Johansson, but she's knocked it out of the park as far as I'm no, concerned. She's given it full gravitas. And I may not like certain things about you know, the, in the, her original appearance in the, um, Iron Man 3. Iron yeah. A little cheesecakey. But what really bugs me about that is how, again, it's aimed at children. When you go to the store and you're looking for a nice piece of Avenger stuff, try finding one with Black Widow on. Which yeah. is ridiculous because... I know that a lot of little girls really loved the character, especially from the yeah. Avengers, because she was, well, again, she was written by Joss Whedon. I feel like, I really don't know what more I can say. Whedon just writes such great female characters. Mm -hmm. um, he does, but again, he, he does suffer some of the problems of, again, women in vacuums. We have Maria Hill in the Avengers, but yeah. couldn't throw us a cookie and at least, you know, have them maybe talk to each other or have some kind of That would have been nice. Yeah. And we're, again, we're still in a Marvel universe where most of the characters who are ladies are girlfriends. And girlfriends with, are families or romantic interests. Although I will pause here to note that I do think that the character of um, Pepper Potts, at least, yeah, she is a girlfriend, but she is a really well-written character, especially in the third Iron Man movie. I don't even like Gwyneth Paltrow when I love that character. <laughs> because and she's some... She's strong, and but she's still a girlfriend, what bugs me is in the last Iron Man movie, she gets this big dose of power that is instantly stripped from her. I did not yeah. like that. I did not yeah. like that. I feel like that was, first of all, I feel like that was a mistake because that could have opened up more story possibilities. Yeah. Her I getting Pepper Potts' rescue in the comics. I think it's an amazing idea. I, um, it's character to a T. Praise due for uh, Kelly Sue DeConnick's uh, one shot that she did with the character. I, I, I've liked everything I've read DeConnick write. She's a superb writer. I saw a thing on Tumblr uh, the other day that said, hey, check out this sweet gender-bent Iron Man costume. And it was, well, the Iron Man costume. Yeah. <laughs> Essentially. 
Yes. The uh, no, I, you're right about rescue. I, um, Matt Fraction, the uh, writer of uh, the Invincible Iron Man series um, at the time, that was a brilliant decision by him and a strong one. As I said, uh, Deconic's one shot that she did um, was first rate. And I was so hurt. I was so good about avoiding spoilers who be able to see it. And I was holding my my drink and my armrest, and I was like, "This is it." We're going to have us plugged in. Maybe the after credit scene will be her in a suit. And then nothing. Aww. Nothing. My heart I, was smashed on the floor. That, that's a shame. Aww. But, I, but I, I do love the character. And I, I do at least give them. And I love that we have Jane Foster, who is obviously a scientist and very tough. But it's always with that modifier of, but she's the hero's romantic interest. She wouldn't mm. be if someone didn't want to boink her. Yeah. So Agreed. Yeah, we don't have many, and Widow thankfully hasn't had a boyfriend, but we'll probably see that change, and that, that frightens me. She's going to uh, be in uh, the new Captain America movie. Yes, Winter Soldier, very excited for yes. that. Oh, and it looks like she's going to be very well used, too. Yeah. But there's things that worry about me, and some of the spoiler pictures, it looks like she might be making goo-goo eyes at multiple male characters, and in the advertising, again, she's bent over and has that... I do not like that. princess pose. <laughs> well, I hate the way that, like, the advertising shot they used for the char- for Black Widow was always that shot of her looking like she was uh, in heat standing in front of an explosion. It was like... We, yeah. we gotta post, I hated that. We gotta post that picture that circulated about a year or so ago of uh, what if the rest of the Avengers... Uh, posed like Black Widow did in the advertising. In fact, I bought a graphic novel with that shot on the back of it, and I <laughs> and I took it to work, and I actually had to turn it over because it was just like, no, I feel yeah. dirty showing this to people, even though the comic was superb. It was a very good comic, but it was still I think it's something like the Hawkeye Initiative are so important, to showing how goddamn ridiculous. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's absolutely absurd what they do to some of these lady characters, especially in the advertising to them. Especially yeah. the advertising that this is what kids see. Yeah. Even if they're That's the problem. parents, this is what the little kids are absorbing. That's why I'm grateful for things like How to Train Your Dragon with uh, how they handle Astrid in that. Oh, I like, I love that movie. I cried during it. But again, love interest. Love interest. Yeah. I- in a population where there's way too few women. Yeah, you're right. Smurfette syndrome. It, it is Smurfette syndrome. Uh, by the way, we're definitely going to have to link to uh, Lindsay Ellis's uh, piece on that. Yeah, and the multiple there are multiple um, tests for movies. There's the Bechdel test. There's uh, what somebody calls the lamp test. Oh yeah, the sexy lamp test. The sexy lamp test. Yes. And, uh, if the can be produced by making a sexy lamp instead, then that's probably bad news bears. Right. <laughs> And then there's the new one, the Make a Mori test from Pacific Rim, that if a character who is female can make it to an entire film with a whole story arc that doesn't involve a romantic interest. Oh, nice. Might be doing okay. Yeah. That was one thing I loved about Pacific Rim is those two characters did not get romantically involved. Not was... only did they not get romantically involved, but we never fell subject to the male gaze. Right, exactly. No, they, they did. The only cheesecake in the movie is Mr. Blondie's shirt off all the time peeking through his keyhole. So. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> yes. I will give the Marvel films this. If they, are, if they do engage in eye candy, they do at least go equal opportunity on it. To an extent, yes. I will say to they do not do as much eye candy with the ladies as certain, uh, like, other, like, in the Star Trek franchise that just shoved random boobies. But I'm, so. I mean, 
I mean that they treat the men that way yes. in Oh, most... yes. Yeah. It definitely Thor shirtless for no reason. Most of yeah. They at least do that to some degree, and they at least do make it so that if you're a guy in that universe, you'd better be pretty damned attractive. Otherwise, you're just a faceless agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. But I wish that wasn't the case either. I wish we didn't have to worry about... I wish we didn't either. I, I really don't. I This really does annoy me. This, this, is, just, this is just a real problem. Um, now, I will say that I, someone online brought something up that I was really glad to see brought up, which was they listed the things that Princess Leia did during Return of the Jedi. And that made me very happy because I hadn't really thought of the things that she did in that film. Now, note, I have every issue in the world with Slave Leia. Don't even get me started on it. I have issues with it. Ugh. We're not even getting into that iconic shot and how annoying I find it, especially because of how that seems to be the only thing people think about when they think about the character. And they ignore the fact that this is a badass character who might have been kidnapped but survived torture. She fucking chokes him to death with the chain that he puts on her. But it was nice to be at least reminded of that. Yeah. But what also hurts is she's definitely, again, to repeat, she is definitely a woman among lots of dudes. Lots yeah. of dudes. All sea of dicks. Just <laughs> ever. But also, she's definitely a heroine who's the first, pretty much the first two movies, definitely, it's not what she accomplishes, but what she suffers through. You're right about yeah. that. She's yeah. not, if you would have, if the whole movie, I would agree with if Han Solo was a lady. I would take I would take Leia if that was if we got someone yeah. else, but we don't have anyone else. And it's just she's sexualized, she's kidnapped, everything terrible happens to her, her planet gets blown up. Mm -hmm. There's just nothing for that poor woman. <laughs> yeah, that's why I said the third movie. That's that's why I focused on the third movie. Yeah. Uh, in this, yeah. Uh, now I don't disagree about the first two movies, but uh, I don't know. I mean, I just again getting back, getting more to the yeah, issue. Yeah. That Never forget, she's a love interest for more than one character, including your brother, which is actually... Uh, creepily, don't... yes. <laughs> we must have hit pretty close to the mark. You get her all riled up like that, huh, kid? Well, I guess you don't know everything about women yet. Changing subjects! Changing <laughs> subjects immediately. Um, I know people love that movie, but I hate it so much. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm a Star Wars fan, but... Like, I got... things I tear apart, but that's what I'm just like, come on. That is not a girl's movie. <laughs> you know, I, I guess I want to get back to the initial point, which is the idea that one of the arguments that I've actually heard made is that men don't want to see a female-fronted action movie. Which is insane. Which is completely ridiculous yeah, to it's, me. It's just plain not true. I mean, come on. And that's why I'm glad that The Hunger Games came out and gave us a firm refutation to that, that but you can't... But great other female-led action movies that have done really well. The Resident Evil franchise has made money hand over fist. Aliens! This is true. You know the funny thing about... Icons of the 80s. is just... We know the funny thing about Alien, right? It was written as an all-male movie. Yeah. And Ridley Scott decided, no, I don't want to do this. Let's let's not do this. And instead of a full rewrite, they just switched it a little bit. Yeah. That was all it took. And... Now, admittedly, James Cameron definitely feminized Ripley greatly in Aliens, but he did it in a way that I thought was really strong, actually. Yeah, it was still not a traditional female character. It was definitely it was, it was more focusing on the strength of the idea of motherhood. Uh, I could go off on an entire rant about uh, James Cameron and women. He's got some definite issues with them, but he also writes pretty damn good female characters, in my opinion. Uh, yes, no. 
but I'll say more yes than no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, as I said, I said he had issues. I said he had issues. I, I, I definitely. Say it, That's my job. <laughs> yes. Yes. As I said. Uh, but I mean, I just, I don't know. I mean, I think men look at Kill Bill. I love Kill Bill. I love. There, we're going... I will say, I can, if I was trying to be a textbook feminist, I could tear that movie to shreds. By Gladly. I love it so much. In a few weeks, we're, uh, we're, uh, that's on the schedule. It's it's on the schedule. We're definitely going to do it. I mean, yeah. I mean, you you do have these great, you know. The, the point about action movie, much like Catching Fire, where it's not one woman who's super tough in a man's world. There are tons of female characters in that, mm-hmm. not just yeah. the assassin squad, but side characters and people you bump into and who breeze by in the background. Fifty percent of the background, boys and girls. Easy mm-hmm. as that. I think that comes down to Tarantino, who. Probably has some very definite issues with women, but at the same time, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he has some definite issues with them. But at the same time, he he did what he did, and yeah. here's the thing: Tarantino has issues. Period. Okay, if he has issues with women, he, he also has sexist, racist, dirtbag moments. But but I think it's that he tries. It's a good. He does try. Mm-hmm. Bust his pee pick and heart to get all southern on that. But yeah, he tries. But that movie and like other one of his movies, like Jackie Brown, very very strong feminine movies but yeah yeah but i mean again i just i really do believe here's the thing at the end of the day the viewing public doesn't care who fronts the movie they care about does the movie look good if we truly cared about who fronted our movies do you think the biggest action star in the world would be a 61 year old irishman (laughs) no i don't think at the end of the day we particularly care as long as the movie's good i think we do and we don't i think um Again, as a member of 50% of the population, I definitely feel that I think it's one of the reasons Catching Fire has gotten so much like energy behind it. Is it's like, finally! I You're probably right. Yeah. Point. Here's the thing. I'm not, when I say what I really think about the general audience, I'm really talking about what I think. I know. That's why I had to point that out. Right? Yeah. Because honestly, I will say, I have a review in my past that I'm deeply ashamed of. I did a review of Mean Girls for a message board. I'd love to take that that review back Did you because say I a kind thing about one of the greatest movies of our time. Uh, no, 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 no. I'm actually going to attack myself for the fact that when I wrote the review, I almost seemed to be apologizing for it and apologizing for the fact that I enjoyed it because I felt so awkward as having enjoyed it. And of course, now I've seen the film many more times. And gr- I was 20 at the time. I was kind of an idiot. And looking back on, it, I'm like, why did I feel? I guess it was because I was a first-year college student, and I felt weird having laughed so hard at a teen girl-centered movie. And that was stupid and ignorant of me, yes. because because in retrospect, the reason that I went to see the movie in the first place was because Tina Fey wrote it. Yeah. In retrospect, that was exactly the right decision. And don't worry, I'm not going to trash it. I think the movie is hysterical. Oh, it is. Again. Uh, a universe, plenty of boys and girls, and it's such a varied, rich amount of ladies. Yes, yeah. From yeah. even those small parts, like Katie's mom, who's so different from the teacher, who's so different from the girl. Who's so different from Amy Poehler's trophy yeah. wife. Even the background Robert characters. Hurts. You're right. I mean, I think everybody looks like royalty tonight. Look at Jessica Lopez. That dress is amazing. And Emma Gerber, I mean, that hairdo must have taken hours, and you look really pretty. And again, I think that's entirely attributable to Tina Fey having written the script. Mm-hmm. And I have to shout out that Tina Fey has not always had the strongest record with writing 
girl-powered things that aren't about women tearing each other apart. But she's someone who definitely gets involved in confronting her own problems with things like Mean Girls. She's confronted on 30 Rock. That amazing... Not perfect. And She did that amazing episode where she attacked the show for its issues with women. Yeah, I think it was called um, TGS Hates Women. I think it was the name of the episode. Yes. (laughs) What? How can they say that? We love women. With Tracy gone, our last episode was all Jenna. This is Amelia Earhart. I'm almost across the Pacific. Oh, no. My period! I'll now take questions. Oh, no. My period. Let's nuke England! And this started as a show for women starring women. At the very least, we should be elevating the way women are perceived in society. Oh, my period! You're all fired! That was an amazing episode. One of my favorite episodes of that show of all time. And, you know, I'll tell you another movie that just, while we're on the subject of women in comedy, first of all, I want to pause and recommend a book to everybody. It's called We Killed a History of Women in Comedy. Superb read. It's an oral history of women in comedy. It starts off with uh, Joan Rivers and Phyllis Diller and ends with the current female stand-up comedians that we've got, people like Amy Schumer. It's it's a very good read. It's it's I highly recommend it. Poor women in comedy. Yeah. You know what really annoyed me, and this is one of the big reasons I wanted to do this cast, was the treatment of the hype for Bridesmaids drove me nuts. <sighs> and it seemed like, oh, surprising. It's the first time you've ever seen a woman make you giggle. Thank you. <laughs> Strap your dick to your thighs, because get ready. You're going to have you feel real awkward, because you're going to laugh. Ha, ha, ha. There's a lady with boobs, and it's funny. You know what? That's how I interpreted every commercial for that movie, by the you're way. You're right. You're so right. It's hilarious. Hysterical. Uproarious. Some better tennis playing in a tampon commercial. Oh, it hurts. Because there is a rich history of female room and comedy that seems like everyone forgets every year or so. The really annoying thing to me about that is that it's that movie that they chose to do that with. Because I've I've seen that movie more times than I can actually count. I I love Bridesmaids. Mm-hmm. I need to I seek it out. I like it. It's not my favorite. It's not. I'm, to be honest, that's not my style of movie. But no. I did. I did laugh. I do think there's some great performances in there. It, and again, it's a wide variety of lady characters. Very interesting. But I, I, it, uh, I mean, to me, it, it is my style of movie, and I, I laughed my ass off at it. Thing about it was, I didn't walk into that movie going, "Well, this is an exception. This is an odyssey for me." I walked in thinking, "That's a, this is a movie that looks funny and comes from people that I think are funny." I think I'm going to enjoy this. So I went with uh, first a friend of mine to see it. And then later on, I took uh, my uh, to-be wife to go see it. Now, when I walked out of it, did I call my mother and tell her to go see it? Yes, I did. But that was only because I thought it was her kind of movie. Ah. (laughs) And she actually went to see it that afternoon. She was already planning on going to see it. I will see my mother the same way. She loves a good poop joke. So Ah. she's talking about my mother, my mother has a great sense of humor. I actually watched the forty-year-old virgin with her once. That was not the awkward experience you would think it would be. <laughs> I've met his mother. Awkward, it's true. I saw Kinsey with my mother. Ooh. Whoops. <laughs> yeah, that would be awkward. I don't know how I didn't walk right into that trap, but I did. It was a movie about Alfred Kinsey. You walked straight into it. I'm a young queer woman. I sometimes blind myself to how awkward things like that would be. I just accept them and go for it. I understand, but I'm just saying it's a movie about Alfred Kinsey. It's a very I'm, good movie. Very but, good movie. Very dramatic, but not don't see it with your mom and your dad. That'd no, 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 no. 
but I just I don't know. I mean, the the that whole idea though that it's it's surprising when women are funny. No, it's really not. No. And again, talking about our types of movies, let me use some context on me here. I guess I love horror films. I guess I'm very like I, I still love kids movies this day, but my favorite probably genre of film is campy movies and mm-hmm. purposely camp. And you can't throw a baseball in a VHS store without finding a million campy movies that are so female driven and so funny and so weird. John Waters. I love John Waters. Yeah, John Waters is a great I love John Waters so much. But I, I was raised on movies like Hairspray and even other weird things like Whatever Happened to Baby Jane, which is some uh, of the Betty craziest Davis, Joan Crawford. of all time. Joan Crawford losing her mind being weird and hilarious and terrifying. And how can you just ignore, like, sure, maybe there hasn't been the mainstream very kind of bridesmaids. Bridesmaids, as much as it was, I don't, I disagree that it shouldn't have been marketed that way. It almost felt like it was written to be kind of like a Groundhog's Day man's kind of comedy. It's very much that style and that plot. Mm-hmm. And yes, the characters are well written as people, but it still felt like the plot, like the, the main points were all very that traditional hyper-masculine comedy film that's been popular. Well, it was produced by Judd Apatow, so, I mean, that does have to be factored in. It, it never felt like, um, when I think of like lady comedies, again, I think Hairspray. Yeah. John Waters, definitely not a lady, but that felt like a female film. Oh, it did. It did. Yeah. From the villains to the heroes and everything in between, they felt like very much like I would, if you would have shown me that in a world where I didn't know John Waters was, I would have told you a very crazy woman wrote that movie. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I I think intellectually John Waters has much more in common with a very crazy woman. John Waters is an alien from outer space who has come to bless us with all the most ridiculous of films in the entire universe. And I love him. Oh, you're, you'll hear no dispute from me. I, I, I just, I just like the, the guy is just, he's just an awesome guy and such a, an upbeat force too. And again, talking about cast films, even the male driven films like Pecker or Crybaby have the craziest women, different women. I love in Pecker, the butch lesbian stripper who just yells at people. And I just I've never seen anything else like that in film. So <laughs> and, I, and I can't help but feel like that comes out of the fact that Waters values his collaborators so much. Oh, yeah. And, and been never there's no even if the part is extremely shallow and one note and very silly, it's never cookie cutter, it's never treating them again like the sexy lamp. No. They're, they're very, very human. Absolutely. And I, I feel like we need more of that. We need more of that quality character writing coming out we need more filmmakers who just i mean i just don't understand why it's so hard to just do that to just include more women in your cast because well, i think some of it takes sense again the people making the films most films are made by white straight men less than 30 percent of films are directed and written by women and that's pathetic and i feel like there's such a boys club attitude to hollywood where again we women are the other it's not, it's men and the other. Yeah. Whatever, it's not a white man. It's some foreign minority who comes from some special island who we know nothing about, and we think they're pretty and the boobies are nice. Instead of what it should be, which is a coin flip of random chance that you're going to run into one of them. 
Which is why I think I gave you guys a link to this, but um, Gina Davis, the actress, wrote a wonderful, very... An extremely short, smart and talented woman at little, the management. Yeah, a very short little uh, essay about how pretty much all of Hollywood's problems could be fixed if you made sure 50% of every crowd scene was ladies. If your script has too many dudes, change some names. Simple as that. Right. I will give... Human characters. Uh, I will note she uh, just was recently in a film written and directed by a woman, actually, So, which I've not seen, but which did get very good reviews. Um, in a World, uh, written and directed by Lake Bell. Which I, not... I, I don't think she can do any wrong at this point as far as like feminism goes. She's very big in like, the women in media. Yeah. She's very vocal about it, but every movie she's been in, she does pick her parts very, very carefully. She really does. She does. I think it's kind of funny, incidentally, that one of the movies that she did that was like such a flop in the 90s and considered a career killer for her, The Long Kiss Goodnight, man, that movie's had a tremendous afterlife. Yeah, I think 100 years from now we'll think of her like kind of as just, again, like what we think of like silent film, a totally different period, like a Lillian Gish. Yeah. iconic with film. If we don't see it now, we don't value it now, it'll stick. I really do. I think I think you're right. I think you're right. I, th- I think... You know, because she is, of course, she's very famously a very smart woman, and it it shows. Uh, a, a League of Their Own. Love that movie. Which, when you talk about, if you would take a uh, feminist film class, I think they show you that day one and just be like, this is it. Good job, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful actresses, tons of, like, different, it's literally, like, I could show this to a small child and they could tell me, this movie is about girls can do everything boys can do. Like, that is yes. yeah. part of the film. I mean, Penny Marshall got a good performance out of Madonna. What more do you need to say? That's pretty magical. That is magic. That's dang. a pretty dang varied cast, too. I mean, Rosie O'Donnell. Yeah. I love how they flirt with, again, we've talked about advertising films. It's it, Inside the movie, they talk about how that is something that happens. When they're advertising this baseball team, the poor homely girls are shown like, all the way to the back of the field, and the other ones are shown putting on lipstick and doing their hair. It's absurd. But they make it very clear how absurd that is. And I like that. I like that. I'm glad that we see that. I, You know, we talk about women directors. I think it's sad that if you were to ask most people to name a female director, you might hear Catherine Bigelow, and that's it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now, I've got no hatred for Bigelow. Uh, her last two movies I thought were superb films. But we need more. The fact that it's, again... Just absolute crickets when it comes to making a list for a And that's why I'm glad that Alexander wrote what she wrote because here's the thing. Had another director had a flop like Punisher Warzone, but such a stylish and distinct flop, they would have been given more of a chance than she's gotten. Mm-hmm. I can't help but feel that. <clears throat> Zack Snyder. <laughs> oh, God. We're not even uh, you know what? That's we a whole dis- other can of worms. We, we are, you know, here's the thing. We may have you back to discuss Sucker Punch. How about that? Oh, shit, yeah. Do we just come back and just yell? You guys don't even need to show up. I'll just record myself and you can post of me getting really mad about Sucker Punch. <laughs> I, I haven't seen it because of how absolutely... You should. Don't pay any money for it. In fact, if right. you can steal it from a store... Library. A library. A library. But um, I'll tell you what. Mm. We'll have you back for that movie. How about that? Yeah, we're gonna... everything that is wrong with how they try to make the strong female character by a bill and like tits out and guns. Let's do it. Ugh. I just and rape. There's so much rape in that film. So... Oh, God. I and just... it was rated PG-13. Seriously? I think That's... so. Shit. The movie opens on it, essentially, Ugh. on murder and rape. 
of ladies. I just and it I continues just, till the very end. I just watched a review of it uh, with Matthew Buck and Jesu Otaku. It looks awful. And one of the one of the quotes from uh, oh. uh, Matthew Buck in that was, "It has panty shots." Feminist films don't have panty shots. No, they don't have panty shots. They don't have multiple rape scenes. No. Um, but, fellas, uh, the business calls. So okay. That's understandable. Well, listen, thank you for coming on. I think Anytime. we've had a... Absolutely. Again, I'll come back and visit you guys. Yes, we'll have you back on, definitely. And you can but... maybe have your lady love on sometime, and we could really gang up on you. Uh, we, <laughs> uh, I have every intention of having... Uh, we, we, we want to get her on, but... Um, I, you know, again, I, I feel like we've had a good, strong, varied discussion today. And we're very polite about it. Congratulations. We're very well, polite. I curtsy to you because that's what a feminist does, apparently. But... And I bow so far that my head bashes into my legs. Fun. Super Ow. fun. And yeah, we've got Sucker Punch to yell about and so much more because I promise you tomorrow things aren't looking any better for Hollywood. No, and... they're not. That's the sad part is there's, there's no signs of light on the horizon. Now. It seems to be getting worse, as I think I've mentioned. It just, in fact, I think this year was the first year in the last couple where things have been the absolute rock bottom. Things all went backwards. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it feels like. Unfortunately. We'll keep so, fighting the good fight, though. We will yep. raise our, our hands to the air and go, no, 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 no. Bad job, white guys. Yep. And uh, <laughs> we'll come back into this sometime soon. Bye, fellas. So, bye, bye. Bye. See ya. <laughs> But yeah, that was nice. Uh, it was nice having her on. Uh, she's always a pleasure. But it has been a pleasure having her on, and uh, we hope we've left you with some food for thought today. Our next cast is going to be a director's cast. We, we're not going to say too much about it. This is going to be a chance for us to really get analytical and study the work of some directors who we think merit your time. Yes, absolutely. And study. So, you can email us with love and or hate mail. Uh, we accept both. Uh, filmroompodcast at gmail.com you can find us on our twitters the cast twitter is at filmroomcast uh, our individual twitters I am at primitive man prd uh, Austin is at untitled user you can find us on our facebook uh, facebook.com slash the filmroom and we post multitude of things on there uh, reviews and we actually do post the cast there yeah so you can find us there like us and you can find us at our source at uh, thefilmroom.podbean.com. There you will find the blog where you can find many uh, resources, additional materials, if you will, from the cast. We will post our last blog for Leica was very thin because, well, it was just the movies. This one will be very thick to compensate. We uh, want you to consider these ideas. Yes. We may not have come to any particular conclusion because we can't. Because this is an ongoing issue. It's so big, yes. But um, we want you to... And give us feedback. We want to know what your thoughts are. Yeah, absolutely. Join join our discussion. Uh, just because we have topic casts every week doesn't mean we can't address... Hell, that doesn't mean we can't make minisodes. That's what the minisodes are for. Addendums uh, and little extra things. But yeah, absolutely. Give us your feedback. We might read it out on the cast. Who knows? Um, yeah. Yeah. We are so reachable, it's not even funny. Uh, I should mention also, you can also follow Beck Poppins. Her Twitter is at Beck Poppins. And uh, that's it for this week. It, that, was, that, was, that was stellar. Yeah. But yeah, uh, so that's it for us this week. I'm Albert Worldsfong. I'm Austin Shen. Uh, until next time. Bye.
There was a castle by a waterfall with a pink and purple wall and a princess living there. She had no parents and was all alone. She got by on her own and she liked it pretty well. Cause she never wore socks. She had a pet snake. She bought a red guitar and she ate a whole cake. And there wasn't anybody there to tell her what to do. So she did what she wanted to. Everybody knew the story of the princess who saved herself There was a dragon with a pointy tail He was bigger than a whale and his breath was terrible He scared the princess when he came around Tried to burn the castle down but she caught him by his tail Then she tied him to a tree so the dragon couldn't fly She told him he was mean and it made the dragon cry Hello? Hey, beautiful. Prince Philip. Oh, hi, Philip. Yeah, we met at the ball. I was the handsome one who was wearing Hey, a... Philip. Tell me if this sounds like a phone hanging up. <laughs> yeah, it totally does. Hello? 